As some of you know, I am a weight loss surgeon. And weight loss surgeons have a unique role in that we get to rebuild someone's diet after we rearrange their guts. They're like a newborn baby with a new stomach. The patient starts anew. But one of our hardest tasks is to get rid of the bad information people learn from years of trying one diet after another. What food is bad? What food is good? What food is healthy? Now, I want you to imagine going out to dinner with a weight loss surgeon. Well, let's just say sometimes our wives get embarrassed by us. You know, I think there's a real big problem when we start talking about macronutrients. I mean, that's just not what food is, you know? Like, I hate it when I go, my wife especially hates it, when we go out to eat and uh, I order a salad. Then they say, would you like some protein with your salad? My wife's like, oh my God, here we go. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by protein? And they're like, well, do you want steak? I'm like, well, steak is protein and a lot of fat. So you ask me if I want fat with my salad. That is my good friend and fellow bariatric surgeon. My name is Garth Davis. I've been doing bariatric surgery for almost 18 years now, but I'm also boarded in bariatric medicine. I've written two books, The Expert's Guide to Weight Loss Surgery and Proteinaholic. I've got a pretty deep interest in nutrition and actually how can I put myself out of business by getting people healthy and uh, no longer suffering from obesity. On today's show, Garth and I, two weight loss surgeons who love food, get together and talk about taking patients who have had weight loss surgery and rebuilding their diets. Maybe what we recommend for them will help you. My name is Dr. Terry Simpson, and this is Culinary Medicine, where we sort out the crazy from credible about food, from its source to its effect on your body, busting myths, and showing evidence where food can be medicine. People who have chronically been on diets for weight loss get a lot of bad information stuck in their heads like what foods are healthy and what foods are not. It's interesting. When my patients come to see me, I guess most patients, you know, the nutritionists are looking at what's your protein intake, what's your carbohydrate, what's your... I, I don't want to hear a word about what your protein intake is uh, and what your fat intake is. I want to hear about what you are actually eating. Because me, to me, there's healthy foods and unhealthy foods, but you can't break it down into macronutrients. Isn't that how everyone talks these days? Order a salad and the waiter asks if you want to add protein to that? My pre-op patients tell me that they want to, quote, avoid carbs, unquote. But why do we hate chicken breasts? I mean, my good friend Simon Majumdar and I, when we cook, we agree on this. We hate tasteless food, and tasteless is how most people prepare it. And there's this odd notion that people think that eating chicken breast is healthy. That it is, quote, protein, unquote. To give you an idea of how crazy it is, I had this lady come see me, very intelligent lady, worked at NASA, rocket engineer. She was originally from Uganda, moved to America 12 years ago, and since that time, I've become more of a obese. And so, as I do with most of my patients, I asked her, what do you think the cause is? What's the reason? And she said, well, it's because of my carb intake. 
And I look down at her diet log that I have everybody fill out and there's no carbs in it. She's eating eggs for breakfast and chicken for lunch and steak for dinner. And I'm like, but there's no carbs. And she said, well, you know, once in a while, uh, a couple times a week, I get together with my Ugandan friends and we eat a traditional Ugandan diet, which obviously is high in grains and high in legumes and, and starches. And I was like, that's why you're overweight. So I said to her, have you been to Uganda recently? And she was like, well, yeah. And I was like, were there any obese people? She was like, uh, no, there weren't. I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, what was interesting. While I was there, I actually lost weight. I was like, right. Because the food that you were eating back there is not what's making you fat. What's making you fat is this obsession with getting protein and stuffing yourself with calorie dense food that creates inflammation in your body. Most weight loss surgery patients, and in my series of patients, about 95% have been on some form of a low-carbohydrate diet. Atkins, South Beach, Keto, Paleo, pick one. And it is from this they get the idea that protein, or meat, should be the primary focus of what they should eat. It somehow didn't work for them before. Now. If you've ever seen a group of Tibetan monks eat, they eat a lot of rice. And they're not fat. And consider this. One-fifth of the world relies upon rice, white rice, as their primary source of calories. And obesity is not an issue. But talk to someone who has been on a low-carb diet about rice, no matter what their weight is, or potatoes, and they will cringe. It is extremely hard for your body to turn carbohydrate into body fat. It's extremely hard. It's called de novo lipogenesis. And they've done these massive overfeeding trials where they've given people huge amounts of carbohydrates, and they will only turn about 2% of it into fat. And in fact, if you get to that really, really high carb diet, you actually start increasing your thermogenesis. It takes energy to turn carbs to fat. So it's very rare. And when you look at the, the blue zones in the world, the parts of the world that have the longest lifespan, they're eating a predominantly carbohydrate-based diet. The main food Mark Okinawans eat is sweet potatoes. And the next thing they eat is rice. And there's not a you or me over there counseling people on obesity. Although we'll probably have to move there because, you know, they're starting to adopt Western ways. But this carb fear we have is so unfounded and such a problem. And if you see, there was a Lancet, huge Lancet article, huge, uh, where they looked at 189 prospective studies and I think 57 randomized controlled trials looking at carbohydrate intake and health. They concluded that we absolutely have to be eating more carbohydrates. Of course, we're talking about whole food carbohydrates that are full of fiber, and that fiber may be the number one predictor of longevity and health. Feeling full is a high priority with our patients and with us as weight loss surgeons. Take breakfast. Many of my patients might eat some eggs and they'll tell me that they feel satisfied. Then I ask them to compare. Eat two slices of whole grain toast and check how long it is before they feel hungry again. Guess which meal lasts longer? Yeah, the toast. They did a great trial, Dr. Halt, um, 
at the Pennington Institute did this excellent trial where they had people eating different foods and they're trying to get a satiety index. And the top of that satiety index, meaning the food that was most satiating that you could possibly eat is a potato. And the interesting thing I see is I see a lot of people switch to a plant-based diet because they want to get healthy. They want to help the environment. So they decide they're going to eat more vegetables. But what they end up doing is they just eat salad. You know, and they're, they're still portion sizing because they're so used. We're so used to in this country think, oh my god, I got a portion size, and at the same time, all they're eating is salad, and so they're getting so little calories and nutrients, and then they're sitting there going, oh my god, I feel horrible. This diet's terrible. The diet I advise for people is extremely high in starches and in legumes, and therefore is extremely satiating. And so my and I tell my patients. We, I kind of have a red light, green light, yellow light type food breakdown. Um, but the foods in the green category, I, I, I tell them you can eat as much as you want. I don't care how much you eat. And so for them, you know, the idea that they could eat, you know, whole grain pasta with lots of vegetables and tomato sauce. And I don't, this isn't a vegan or even vegetarian diet. I don't care if they eat a little bit of meat or dairy, but the, the predominance of the plate should be plant-based. And that, that is extremely rewarding for them and extremely there's a lot of pressure off them there's no counting of calories there's no counting of anything it's if you look it up online it's the i follow barbara rolls uh work she's done a lot of work on what's called volumetric eating and i'm telling you when people follow a volumetric plan and they don't fear carbs and they basically don't do what americans tell you to do what we generally think about from the media and the social media they have unbelievable success Now, Garth is a vegan, but he realizes that this isn't a diet most people will follow. I certainly won't. But whole plants, as it turns out, are also the basis of the Mediterranean diet. And that's a diet that we both endorse and teach. The Mediterranean diet following weight loss surgery or before weight loss surgery is considered the healthiest diet on the planet. In fact, we did an entire episode in season one just about the Mediterranean diet. Trust me, it's not just feta cheese, salad, wine, and olive oil. And while I am a meat eater, I love meat. Too much meat can have a downside. It's kind of like this. I love aspirin. Two aspirin will take care of my headache, but I'm not going to take the entire bottle. Meat is dense in calories. Compare a half a cup of steak, that's 650 calories, to a half a cup of grapes, that's 30 calories. And when you look at countries that have increased consumption of meat in their diets, they have increased their obesity. You can see this in China, Japan, Italy. But take China, the birthplace of my producer, Producer Girl. They have experienced an increase in obesity, especially in the cities. But it's not because of an increase in their carbohydrates. It's because they're putting more meat into their diet. What's fascinating is China has this huge increase in diabetes lately, which the Chinese Ministry of Health has said is because of the meat consumption. So people don't realize this, but meat is strongly, strongly tied to diabetes. And you kind of hit on it with the insulin. The carbs aren't the problem. The problem is when we get insulin resistant. People think that because you have high sugar when you have diabetes, that means it's the sugar that's the problem, but it's not the sugar that's the problem. It's the fact that you're not processing sugar. Like our body, I mean, our bodies are made from the moment we take a bite, there's amylase in our saliva. 
you know, to start breaking down the starch. Our whole insulin process, the way we store carbs in glycogen, the way we ourselves then go through cellular respiration by utilizing carbohydrates to form ATP, it's just a perfect system. The problem with the system comes when fat gets into the cells, specifically the muscle cells. So intramyocellular fat, muscle cell fat. When fat gets in the muscle cells, it breaks down the ability of the muscle cell to make insulin receptors. And when it breaks down the ability to make insulin receptors, now you can't process those carbs very well. So you're exactly right. You take spaghetti and you mix meatballs with it, the saturated fat, the meatballs, is the exact kind of fat that gets into the muscle cells that creates the insulin resistance. So now you've got really high insulin secretion, which causes your body to store even more fat. And then you get this vicious cycle, which leads towards diabetes. You know, it's sort of a problem that there are a lot of diets out there. And anyone can lose weight on any diet. And while weight loss is a good outcome, a better outcome is lasting weight loss. And by the way, if you want to hear a fun weight loss episode, listen in season one to our beer and sausage diet. But Dr. Davis and I are both focused on our weight loss surgery patients learning how to eat properly after they've had weight loss surgery. You mentioned that anybody could lose weight on diets, and it's, that's absolutely true. Ketosis does lose diet, but they always gain it back. The A to Z trial showed this. I mean, there's many, many, many studies. I can't tell you how many studies that have looked at all the different diets and said that they all gain back weight. You could change the macronutrients however you want. It doesn't make a difference. It's a problem because I'm, I'm a member of the American Society of Bariatric Surgeons, now called OMA. That group is wedded to a high-protein diet basically because they sell products. So they put people basically on shakes to get them to lose weight and they do get success with that and it doesn't last, but they're, they're so wedded to short-term success. And a lot of doctors are because someone comes in, they want to lose weight. You want to give them something that actually will work in the short term. You don't want to get into the real how to do it, right? You, you want something quick and easy. And so that's what they use. And the problem with this, with all this dieting, is it leaves our patients feeling hopeless and helpless. Because I'm sure you've experienced this, but when, when you ask that patient, how long did it take you to regain that weight? And they say two months. When you start talking to them, how did the diet work? A lot of the language I get from them is, I failed the diet. Not the diet failed me, but I failed the diet. That's kind of the, the you know, especially with obese patients that, have, that, that feel victimized all their life. That's what they get in their minds, that they failed. They failed. And so they start losing hope that anything will work. And so my, my attempts with patients are, first of all, to get rid of all this diet lore. Uh, you know, no more talk about protein, no more talk about carbs, and no more carb fear, uh, no more shakes and fake products. We're talking all about whole foods. So let me be clear. I'm not opposed to meat. I love meat. But as with every food, you can overdo it. And let's just talk about recipes. Things that Garth and I love to give to our patients are recipes, simple things that they can learn to cook because many of them don't cook. Well, let's start with, let's say, a baked potato, but, but not the butter. So instead of a, a baked potato with butter, sour cream, cheese, and bacon bits, my patients are eating a baked potato, and I have them mash it up and put avocado, salsa, and black beans and some broccoli. 
and you know, some salt and pepper and you've got a great tasting little meal it fills you up like you cannot believe you're getting just about every nutrient in the book it's very low in inflammatory causing foods that have endotoxinums such as meat and dairy and so the patient's they eat these meals that are extremely simple to make. Or like one of my favorite things is I tell patients, okay, here's the simple thing. You're taking a can of beans, a can of tomatoes, a bag of frozen mixed vegetables, and you're going to mix it with different spices and put it on a starch. So for instance, you could have whole wheat pasta. You're cooking that, it takes 10 minutes. You're going to get a pot and you're going to put a can of white beans, a can of tomatoes, and a bag of frozen mixed vegetables and Italian seasoning. Mix that up. You can put a little tomato paste to make it a little bit thicker. And you're going to pour that onto the whole wheat pasta. A great meal, takes five minutes, cheap as hell, and the patients love it. Or you could take rice that you're cooking, and now the formula is a can of black beans, maybe a can of pinto beans, a can of tomatoes, bag of frozen mixed vegetables, and now you're putting Mexican seasoning on it, Mexican spices, and then you throw it over the rice. And so these simple kind of, we have a lot of simple meals like that that we try to go over with the patient's breakfast is almost always oatmeal and berries, or we do toasts and jams and uh, a lot of fruit. Uh, during the day, there's definitely fruit eating. Um, I love soups, vegetable soups, lentil soups, these kind of things, especially I really like to get my patients to do legumes during lunch because it's been shown that it has a satiety effect, not just at lunch, but also at dinner. Very good at controlling blood sugars during the day. So you don't have that two o'clock. I mean, at two o'clock, I'm not like wanting to sleep after my lunch. And I have huge lunches uh, because I'm not creating acidosis in my body. So my focus is, again, on you know whole food, plant-based. I don't really, if they're going to eat meat or, or dairy, I ask them to do that as an accoutrement. Or it's kind of like you talked about how China used to be, where they would do a big bowl of rice and vegetables and maybe a little slice of pork on top of it instead of what we see now, which is pork with you know a side of rice and vegetables. Does this sound like the Mediterranean diet? Here's the problem. If you check some websites about what the Mediterranean diet is, they talk a lot about olive oil and chicken. Well, I'm calling out the Mayo Clinic website because they clearly don't understand what it is. And you hear you got one of the, the, the big hospital systems in the world talking about what they they think is a Mediterranean diet, which is not what a Mediterranean diet. A Mediterranean diet is what they were eating in Crete in 1950 or what they're eating in the mountains of Sardinia. We have a lot of good data about people who have undergone weight loss surgery and their long-term success. As a surgeon, we get to rebuild their diet. So what do we tell our patients? We tell them to eat real foods, whole foods, like fruits, vegetables, legumes, fish, and some meat, but not too much. It's a formula that works to maintain their weight loss after surgery, but one thing that doesn't work are weird diets, like fake food from shakes and bars. Have you ever noticed that most protein bars have as many calories as a Snickers bar? And let me ask you, which one would taste better? Which one would you rather eat? And if you think eating that protein bar is healthier than eating a Snickers bar or less calories or will do you more good, I have a bridge to sell you. There are a lot of odd diets out there, but weight loss primarily comes from our surgical patients because patients can't eat as much and they're satisfied with a lot less. But over time, successful weight loss surgery patients 
like all people, weight loss is sustained when people eat real foods. Special thanks to Dr. Garth Davis for lending his comments to today's show. And of course, thanks to you for listening to this episode of Culinary Medicine with me, Dr. Terry Simpson. While I am a doctor, I'm not your doctor, and you should always seek the advice of a trusted, licensed medical professional with experience in your particular condition or concern before taking any actions. But if you are my patient, you better be on the Mediterranean diet. Oh, please, if you like this podcast, please do give us a kind review and rate us. Apparently, this counts for something. I think I get points and can go to heaven if I get enough. Culinary Medicine is a part of the Your Doctor's Orders Network, and you can find a post of this on yourdoctorsorders.com. It's produced and distributed by our friends at Simpler Media. My executive producer is the talented and charitable producer girl born in Kowloon, and you can follow me on Twitter where I'm at Dr. Terry Simpson. That's Dr. Terry Simpson. I'll be back next time when we will have another conversation about food as medicine or unveil another food con. Until next time, don't drink the water, drink the rosé. Yeah, Evo, you know, since I had pneumonia, my taste is just not the same. Most red wine's too bitter for me, so now I just have to have like a half a glass of rosé and, and I'm good. I think that's moderation. Yeah, that's cool and all. Uh, could you maybe lay off the rosé when you start talking about the value of reviews on Apple Podcasts? Because they're great and all, but they don't do any of what you just said. It's not like I haven't told you that, I don't know, a dozen times? 